An elderly woman from our parish went to see her orthopedic surgeon a couple of weeks ago on a Friday morning. She had been under his care and homebound for a couple of months after falling in her home and hurting her shoulder. Well, happily, the doctor gave her a clean bill of health during that office visit, and she was looking forward to getting back to her normal routine, including coming here to Sunday Mass. She's been a regular parishioner for years at our 7 a.m. liturgy every Sunday morning. However, unfortunately, after she returned home that Friday, she tripped on a rug and fell again and broke her elbow and her pelvis. The surgeon's assistant later told me that when he received the call that this woman was in the emergency room at Westerly Hospital, he didn't believe it. He said to the nurse, oh, that, that must be a mistake. We just discharged her from our care a couple of hours ago. But of course, it was not a mistake. It was life. It was life. For that elderly woman, and for all of us, life is a process. It's a process of letting go. Sooner or later, for example, we have to let go of lots of stuff. We have to let go of our physical health because of a fall or Parkinson's disease or heart disease or cancer or some other ailment or of old age, right? And it's not easy. Just ask that woman. <laughs> Just ask me. We all have to let go of loved ones when, we when they die. And that can be extremely hard if we've loved them deeply and if we've had them in our lives for many, many years. You know, we've had a few deaths in our parish recently of people who were in their 90s. The children of those parishioners were blessed. They were blessed to have their parents in their lives for 60 or in some cases 70 years. But that makes it all the more difficult for them to let go. When people retire, they have to let go of their employment, where they found, hopefully, a good deal of fulfillment and enjoyment for many years. As we move on in life, we have to let go of some of the recreational activities that brought us joy in our younger years. We have to let go of the control that we've had over our day-to-day -day activities. Think of the people in our local nursing homes. Ultimately, my brothers and sisters, we all have got to let go of what is most precious to us on this earth. Just like Abraham did. In today's first reading, we heard the famous story about how God tested Abraham by asking him to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now, we need to be clear about something. The test here was not, are you willing, Abraham, to kill your son for me? After all, we know that God never intended for Abraham to take his son's life. 
The test was about Abraham's willingness to let go. That was the nature of the exam. The Lord said to him, in effect, Abraham, are you willing to let go of your son Isaac? He's the child of the promise. The promise I've made to you. You've waited a hundred years to have him. Remember, Abraham was a hundred when Isaac was born. Sarah was ninety. You love him deeply, God said to him in effect. You treasure the relationship you have with him more than anything else you have in this life. So, Abraham, are you willing to let it go? All of it. Are you willing to let go of what's most precious to you on this earth and trust totally in me? In the church, we call Abraham our father in faith, and we do it for a really good reason, actually for several reasons, one of which is found right here, because he said yes to God in this circumstance. Even though it had to have been the most difficult yes he ever said to God in his entire life. In one way or another, we all face this very same test, do we not? Usually, it involves someone we love. But unfortunately, not everybody responds like Abraham did. As I was preparing this homily, I thought of a scene from C.S. Lewis's very famous book, The Great Divorce, which, by the way, is not about marriage, at least not directly. The Great Divorce is a fictional book about an imaginary bus ride from hell to heaven. Now, the interesting thing is all the people on this bus have the opportunity to get to heaven, but only if they let go, if they let go somewhere along the journey. First and foremost, of course, they have to be willing to let go of their sins through repentance. But they also have got to be willing to let go of their attachments, their unhealthy, selfish attachments to people and things. And at the same time, they have to be willing to grow in their desire to see God face to face. Well, one person in the book who has trouble doing this is a woman named Pam, whose son Michael died while she was still living on earth. Pam's brother Reginald, who is already in heaven, speaks to her at one point and challenges her to love God first and to let go of the selfish love, the manipulative love, the possessive love that she has in her heart toward her son Michael, even though he's gone. Reginald says to her, and here I quote, God wanted you to love Michael as he understands love. And you cannot love a fellow creature fully until you love God. But Pam will hear none of it. She blames God for her son's death, and she refuses to let go of that anger and of the disordered love that she had and still does have for Michael. It's a very sad ending. Thankfully, other stories in The Great Divorce end much more happily. There's an old saying, most of us have heard it before, many of us have used it before, and there's a great deal of truth in it. Let go and let God.
People in 12-step programs use that saying all the time, and for a good reason. Pam, in that story, did neither of those things. She didn't let go of her anger, her disordered love, and she certainly didn't let God in. Abraham did both. And because he did both, because he let go and let God, he was rewarded beyond what he could even imagine. The Lord said to Abraham here, I swear by myself that because you acted as you did in not withholding from me your beloved son, I will bless you abundantly and make your descendants as countless as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Think of our beach here in Westerly. Would you like to count the grains of sand on that seashore? A lot. This was a beautiful promise to Abraham. Now, we know that this promise was fulfilled on the natural level in that Abraham became the father of the nation of Israel. Abraham was the father of Isaac, who was the father of Jacob, who had 12 sons, who became the fathers, the great ancestors of the 12 tribes that make up the nation of Israel. Well, I suppose Abraham could have imagined that natural dimension of the blessing. But as we all know, by making this promise, God was telling Abraham something else too. He was telling Abraham that he would become a spiritual father, the spiritual father of all the redeemed of human history. That's yet another reason why we call this man our father in faith. Spiritually speaking, we all trace our lineage back to him. Our father in faith. Now, there's no way, no possible way that Abraham could have understood that spiritual dimension of the promise when he first heard it. God was going to bless him beyond his wildest imaginings. He understood some of the blessing, the natural part, but the spiritual part, no, that was way beyond what his eyes could see at the time. But it was there. If we follow Abraham's example by letting go, and letting God take control and do his work in our lives, then, like Abraham, we will experience many blessings, sometimes even greater than we can possibly imagine. When I think of my great role model for dealing with Parkinson's disease, Blessed John Paul II, I think of what that illness forced him to let go of. His health, certainly. His skiing, he loved to ski as I do. His mobility, the list goes on and on. Parkinson's can rob a lot from you, believe me. And yet, my brothers and sisters, because Pope John Paul II also let God while he was letting go, he also let God. And because he did that and let God work in him and through him when he was battling this disease, he did some of his most effective work, most fruitful work in those later years of his life. Praise God. That fact certainly gives me a great deal of encouragement. Gives a lot of people encouragement. Some of you, like that fictional woman, Pam, have lost children. But in the process of dealing with their deaths, 
you've actually grown closer to God and stronger in your faith. You were forced to let go of someone who was very precious to you. You had no choice in the matter. But you did have the ability to choose how you would respond to that tragedy. And thankfully, you made the choice to let God. You made the choice to let God help you, console you, strengthen you, heal you, and give you hope. And for that, you've been greatly blessed, whether you realize it or not. And if you persevere in that trusting faith, you'll be blessed, like Abraham, beyond your wildest imaginings, not here, but in eternity, where God will reunite you with many of your deceased relatives, many of your deceased friends. Life is a process of letting go. And as such, it provides us all with many opportunities to let God. May the good Lord help us to take advantage of those opportunities in imitation of Abraham and blessed John Paul II and all the other great saints of the history of the Church. Amen.